Welcome to the Sky STEM podcast. My name is Nancy Wu, and today we have an entry from our Fraud Diary. The Fraud Diary series is where we talk about a case in the business world where someone or some people abuse their professional knowledge and power、um, to enrich themselves, to mislead the public, or commit general wrongdoing. All of the cases here are researched based on what's publicly available on the internet. And we just compile it together here. We mean no disrespect to anyone identified here. This is purely for educational purposes, and you are encouraged to do your own research as well. Miniscribe was a manufacturer of hard disk drives. The company was founded in the early 1980s and grew quickly. Miniscribe was already publicly traded by January of 1984. Problems arose not long after. IBM, who was a major customer for Miniscribe, scaled back its orders, which forced the company to lay off more than 25% of the workforce, and the value of the stock plummeted. At the same time, the original founder and president also decided to leave the company. Shortly thereafter, a venture capital firm by the name of Hambrecht and Quist recapitalized Miniscribe with a $20 million investment and brought in their own turnaround CEO by the name of Q.T. Wiles. Wiles's nickname is Doctor Fixit, due to his tremendous success turning around troubled companies. Wiles took over the CEO role, and soon after, the company returned to profitability.、Um, he increased sales from 114 million in 1985 to 600 million dollars by 1988. In 1988, the company was named the most well-managed company in the disk drive industry. Its biggest competitor at the time is Compaq. Also at the time, Miniscribe was bidding for major contracts with Apple Computers and Digital Equipment Corporation (DEC) for short. Let's turn the clock back one year to 1987. In January of 1987, the Miniscribe officers conducted a quick inventory in order to provide information about their accounts prior to an independent review by the external audit firm. Coopers and Lightbrand. Their internal inventory count showed something troublesome. It showed that there was a shortfall of inventory of between two and four million dollars. It's not clear as to the root cause of the shortfall, but it's likely that it was a system error. What this meant was that the cost to produce those hard drives that they sold, the cost was actually higher than what they had initially recorded. If they were to properly book against sales, it would mean that their operating margins would be a lot more unimpressive. Instead of reporting this, a number of managers decided to cover it up. They ended up producing an inflated inventory count, and then subsequently they broke into their external auditors' locked boxes and replaced their independent count to match the newly inflated numbers. Remember, back in those days, work papers were done on paper and kept in audit trunks or cabinets. It was not electronic. 
The team then continued to roll these numbers forward through the quarters. So I think what is happening or what was happening was that not only um, did they not take the adjustment to correct the miscount, but they also didn't fix the issue um, and allowed the miscount to continue on, thus compounding the problem. So six months later, the director of Far East Operations informs Mr. Wiles, the president of the company, that something was wrong. Wiles flew to Hong Kong and Singapore where he found that the shortfall has actually increased to $15 million. It was then decided that the company continued to hide the problem and the cover-up became very elaborate. Many scribe managers rented a second warehouse in Colorado where they personally packed 26,000 bricks into hard drive boxes and shipped them to Singapore in order to shore up the inventory count. And after the count was completed, they would then recall those serials numbers as defective units. But these defective units were not written off. These um, bricks were actually checked back into inventory along with other actually failed drives that had been returned by the customers. And that was another problem. Many of the defective units, instead of getting repaired or written off, they were deliberately being shipped to different customers so that one drive could be booked as multiple sales. In fact, some employees even joked that the only thing that was getting repaired around there were those worn out cardboard boxes that transported those defective units. Miniscribe also engaged in other unruly behavior. They engaged in channel stuffing, shipping drives to warehouses and booking them at sales. They regularly backdated shipments to allow them to be booked in earlier reporting periods to meet performance targets. They also did not write off bad debt. While all this is happening, Miniscribe continued to post impressive numbers, but it didn't look right. The rest of the hard drive industry at the time was suffering due to rapidly declining margins because of downward price pressures. But Miniscribe somehow was able to not only sustain but improve their operating margins, at least on paper. In 1988, the board of directors became concerned when Miniscribe's receivables grew dramatically, which would indicate a large amount of unpaid invoices, while at the same time, inventory was also growing. These two numbers are normally at odds. Your receivables increase because you're making sales, which would mean that your inventory should be decreasing because you're making sales. The directors began an internal investigation in October of 1988. During that time, the company reported yet another record-setting quarter for the period in spite of winning neither the Apple contracts nor the DEC contracts. February of 1989, Wiles left the company, followed by most of the company's officers over the next months. The director's report was subsequently released that summer 
Um, and the investigation revealed that Wiles set really strict and aggressive forecasts and pushed these requirements down into the sales team, leaving pretty much no room for failure, and also setting bonuses upon beating those figures. The sales team then responded by quote unquote touching up reporting documents as they moved back up the reporting chain. Wiles responded to these positive reports by setting even higher sales targets, leading to ever increasing fraud to meet them. The company embarked on a round of layoffs just before Christmas of 1989. The layoffs affected several of the employees who were involved in that brick packing scheme. They immediately called the Denver area newspapers, who then broke the story. The company declared bankruptcy on January 1st of 1990 and was quickly liquidated. Wiles claimed to have known nothing of these schemes, saying that he was duped by the middle management. However, several of those middle managers testified that Wiles was very much aware of the fraud, and in the middle of 1990s, he was finally convicted for fraud and insider trading. I hope you enjoyed the story. If you're not familiar with Skystem, come pay us a visit at www.skystem.com and learn all about what it means to automate and save time during month and close and improve internal controls to combat fraud.